Ah uh, yes, classic Canadiana, the story of the littlest hobo. A dog who goes around from place to place wherever he's needed, a bit like that tragically hip song, looking for a place to happen, making stops along the way. On this week's show, we unfortunately do not have the littlest hobo. However, we do sit down and chat with two folks who have been known to travel around in pursuit of great training grounds and fast times. Peter Corrigan, a great 5,000 meter runner, will join us before he hits the Stanford invite. And Kevin Coffey, an accomplished marathoner, phones back home to Ontario from his winter base of Vancouver, BC. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to the Nomads of Athletics on the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Peter Corrigan is one of those guys in athletics who may not be a household name just yet, but you know that won't be the case for very long. With PBs of 340, 15, and the 1500, and 1344 in the 5, a time he got last year, he definitely will be one to watch this spring. Peter has also called a whole bunch of places home, raised in Alberta, some university time spent in Nova Scotia, training in BC and Ontario at different times, and even basing himself in Flagstaff at different times. Welcome to the show, Peter. Yeah, thanks for having me. So since the uh, the title of the show is uh, is Nomads in, in Athletics, I have to ask as my first question, <laughs> where are you right now? Right now I am sitting in the Coronet Hotel in Palo Alto, California. And what the heck brings you there? <laughs> uh, the Stanford Invite. So I'm opening up, well, that's not true. I opened up uh, about a week ago my outdoor season with the 1500 just um, in Tempe, Arizona, just south of Scottsdale, where I've been based. And But this is my first 5K of the year, so just getting ready to uh, to throw down a 5K on Friday night. Now, you know, you, you, just, you just arrived there. Perhaps you should explain where you were just before this. Sure. Yeah. Well, nomad is a is a good term. I have been in Scottsdale, Arizona, since January. I I left Victoria, British Columbia, on January first and started my pilgrimage down to uh, down to Scottsdale. And yeah, I've been based there since January, just training hard in the sun. And then, I mean, obviously with that too been trips out to Seattle for some indoor races and that sort of thing. So <laughs> lots of traveling and not really having a home. <laughs> so you mentioned you're, you're there for Stanford. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to briefly touch on this because I was talking with uh, a former training partner of yours last year, Matt Hughes, and uh, he predicted that you were just a breakthrough race away from posting up some really incredible times. You know, where do you think that you stand right now in regards to the 5,000? Yeah, um, I mean that that's really flattering to hear, especially from someone like Hughes, who is, you know, such a talented runner and run pretty fast in the 5K, even though it's not his uh, his main event. And I, yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Like, I focused on the 5K or the 1500 for so long, always kind of knowing that it wasn't my, you know, strongest event, but kind of wishing that it were. Mm. Um, but then starting last year, I was like, okay, <laughs> I got to face reality here and start running where I think I, like, I truly believe I can be really successful. And that's always been in the longer stuff. So, um, 5k seemed like the natural progression and yeah, I, you know, it's a big jump, right? 1500 meters, 5,000 meters is, is a big learning curve. It's not just, you know, it's not 800 to 15 or something like that. It's, it's quite a big jump and just a totally different system that you're tapping into and a totally different pain so all last year was just trying to get used to the 5k and I don't think I ever 
figured out how best to run it for myself last year. Um, my final race was in Nino, Belgium on August 1st. And that was one. I went into that, like, honestly, not even thinking that it was going to be very good. I is the only actual race that I got into in Europe. I went over there for five weeks and paced a bunch, but never got into any actual races. And by the time I got there, wind was like, hi, oh, you know, you just kind of seem burned out. Like, if you don't think you're going to run well, or you're not into it, just don't. And I was like, I'm not coming to Europe to not actually do a race. So I towed the line and it ended up being my personal best at 1344. Um, and, you know, it was good. I just, I started pretty conservative and then just like slowly picked it up throughout the race and finished really strong. And I think that is my best way to run a 5k. Um, and yeah, I think, like I said, in the 15, I was saying, Oh yeah, I can always run a standard, but like 336 is really fast. And I never, truly believed it in my own head but when i say like i believe i can run 1325 olympic standard like i actually believe that's within my wheelhouse to actually do so it's a pretty exciting place to be and yeah i think like matt said last year i just need to get in that one race where everything clicks and and it goes fast you know and and i think it's doable so as you've mentioned, you've been progressively moving up from, from the 800 to the 1500 and now the 5,000. Uh, you know, when Taylor Milne decided to move up from the 1500, he moved to the 3,000 steeplechase. Uh, you know, obviously your coach, Wynn Gmitrowski, uh, he knows how to coach that. Was that ever in consideration? Not particularly. Um, I'm a pretty short guy. I'm only, you know, I'm five nine when I first wake up on a good day, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the and I, I don't know, not really. Um, it, I thought about it, but it's just such a technical event. Like learning how to hurdle, I think that's something you have to start pretty early to be really efficient at. Um, and I, I just think I kind of missed the chain on that. I don't know. I obviously mount a. Uh, an exception to the rule because he obviously didn't start that till later on and he's a great steeple chaser so um maybe maybe that's not true but yeah it was, it was never never a thought i i honestly think i'd probably be better at like 10k's half marathons kind of thing because i'm very short and very light mm. <laughs> so you uh yeah it might not be too long before i maybe make some debuts on the road but right now i'm uh focusing on the track and focusing on the 15 and or on the 5k sorry and and hoping to see how how low i can get the pb in that event so how would you compare your volume both in uh in the kind of the quantity uh, as well as the quality as you moved up um wins very much a quality over quantity coach um when i moved out to toronto under the great guys there this three coaches who were um, kind of heading a club that has since uh, kind of dissolved Athletics Toronto, um, Dave Reed, Eddie Raposo, and Hugh Cameron. Um, they're much more um, quantity-based. I was running a lot more miles and like, you know, I was running like 110 half marathons within long 16-mile long runs and that sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. we were, when it came to aerobic fitness, it was probably fittest I've ever been being out there but that sacrificed a bit of my 
kind of speed, which is already a weakness of mine. My natural speed isn't very high. So I think that's why win is a really great fit for me is that the endurance bit is really natural for me and I can, I can build that pretty easily. Um, but with wins training, focusing more on quality, it keeps the speed in my legs rather than, you know, pounding out miles and kind of getting a little bit slower. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, I run anywhere from, you know, a low week, like into a race will be 65 to 70 miles up to, you know, I'll throw in a hundred mile week every now and then, um, depending on the time of year and how the training's going and that sort of thing. This year was lower because I raced more indoors, um, whereas last year I didn't race, so I was running higher mileage through the fall and winter. So uh, kind of staying on top of that uh, with Wynn, your, your coach, he's often regarded as, as one of the best in the country, you know, guiding guys like yourself, uh, Nate Brennan, uh, formerly Matt Hughes. In your opinion, what makes him so, you know, so attractive as a coach? Simple answer. He's an all-in-one. Um, I don't think, I don't know of any other coach who is a track coach, a strength coach, and like a renowned physiotherapist. So we're in a very special um, and unique situation where he comes up to the track in the morning, sees how we're running, can see our body, you know, in motion, both on the track and in the weight room. And then he's also our main physiotherapist, our, ma- our main, you know, guy who gets us on the table and, and treats us. So he can directly take how we're moving on the track to how our body feels on the table and, you know, adjust workouts accordingly, address, um, adjust how he treats us accordingly. Like it's, I don't think there's anyone else in the world that does that. And I think it's a huge factor, um, and a huge, you know, benefit to have someone do everything, um, all in one. So, uh, you know, as we've kind of touched on before, the 1500 for a while was your big event. Uh, now there seems to be a bit of a revival with that distance in Canada right now. Uh, you know, who do you have for posting the fastest time this year and just how low do you think it will go? Do you think it will touch, uh, you know, Sully's, Sully's point, uh, you know, when he was at his peak? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question and a hot topic. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Charles Philbert Tibido or Chuck as he's known in the running world. He ran an amazing race last year in Monaco, um, three thirty four. You know, Nate the next or I think it was just a couple days later running three thirty five in uh Houston, Belgium. Um but then you never know, like there's yeah, like you said, there's a huge revival, you know, there's guys like Thomas Riva who's super talented and can pop out anything jeremy ray running 336 at the end of the year last year you know there's guys like proudfoot that you never know what he's going to do like he could run a really good 5k or you could be focusing on the 15 and run something really good there too um if i'm going with history i gotta say it's going to be between chuck and uh and nate and honestly i think it's a Maybe I'm a little bit biased because he's a teammate and a friend, but, you know, Nate's been around a long time and very, very consistent at, you know, running 335 pretty much every year or faster. So, you know, I'll, I'll say him, but it could be a could be a flip of the coin between him and Chuck, I think. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're sponsored by Running Room, <laughs> which is a company that is sometimes vilified by those in the running community. 
you know, in your opinion, why do they yeah. deserve a better reputation than, than perhaps what they have right now? Um, they, they're understated in how much they support track. Like, I'm not sure a lot of people realize that they're one of the main sponsors of Athletics Canada. I don't think they realize how many meets, like track meets, not just road races, but track meets that they sponsor and, you know, throw, you know, get behind and support. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Like, they, they could maybe do if they were a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, but if they advertise that more, that they were getting behind all this stuff and that sort of thing, maybe people in the track world would um, respect it a little bit more, I guess. But at the same time, you know, it's I think it's cool that they do it without trying to get a whole bunch of recognition and, you know, um, try and be, you know, in the, in the spotlight kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. And the reality is they're, they're sponsoring a lot of track athletes now. Like Jeff Harris is uh, supported by Running Room now. Uh, Daniel Gorman, who I'm actually rooming with here down in Palo Alto, he just got on a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, there's lots of guys that they and women that they support through Canada who are out there running on the tracks as well as the road. So, um, yeah, I just think I just think they're you know modest and don't don't try and advertise as much as maybe they could to to the track world so finally in a year like this uh i don't think i have to tell you about uh about the big meets that are coming up later this year uh it's super important to be very strategic with what races you decide to jump in uh what are the plans for the spring so yep starting obviously right now with um the stanford invite here and then i go up to Flagstaff for a month and I'll fly back to Palo Alto and run at the Peyton Jordan, um, another 5k. And then I'll go back up to Victoria, train for a bit, race at the Hoka 1-1, whatever it's called now, Oxy, as everyone knows it, um, in LA, um, back up to Vic and then race in Portland. And then we're going to go to Calgary for about a week or so before nationals, base ourselves there, get in some training, and then just take the short drive up to Edmonton before the trials and uh, race there. And then who knows, Edmonton is just such a defining meet for everyone in Canada Hmm. that um, the plans can change after that. But I have a position on the start line in the 3K at the Morton Games in Dublin, Ireland. Um, that I'm looking into and maybe some, I have to look at it and see if there's other European races around that, that would make it, you know, more worthwhile going over for. So that's the, uh, kind of plan at this point. He is Peter Corgan and he is living that, uh, that nomadic athletic life right now. And, uh, Hey, we wish you all the, all the best of luck, uh, you know, with the spring and, uh, hopefully continuing throughout the summer as well. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. You're listening to The Terminal Mile. You can find us on Twitter at The Terminal Mile. Kevin Coffey is probably one of the best kept secrets in Canadian marathoning, posting a solid PB of 221.40. This winter, Kevin decided to make the move from his home in Kingston across the country to warmer temperatures and faster companions, and that's where we join him right now. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, thank you very much for having me. 
Uh, so, you know, as, as I mentioned uh, in, in the Peter Corrigan interview, uh, title of the show is uh, Nomads in Athletics. And uh, so I have to ask is my first question, uh, where are you right now? Right now, I am in Vancouver. Uh, it's sunny. It's warm. Uh, we went through a tough, long winter of clouds and rain, but uh, look, the sun is coming out. Now, you know, you say that you're in Vancouver right now, but to really fit the bill of the show, where are you normally from? Usually uh, I'm in Kingston, so that's where I was uh, raised and have lived pretty much my entire life, uh, with a couple exceptions of living in uh, Ottawa for a few years, but uh, yeah, majority of the time has been in Kingston. So reading your blog, it's actually a pretty interesting story of how you came to the idea that you should move out there for the winter. Uh, you know, talk to me about this and, and how Dylan Wikes was, uh, was a big part of your move out to Vancouver this winter. Yeah, so about uh, this time last year, uh, I was picking up a race kit. Or, or I think it was either a race kit or a, it was a uh, Road to Rio t-shirt. Um, so Dylan was in uh, Kingston at Runner's Choice and uh, supporting good local runners. I was uh, there buying a t-shirt and asking him to sign it because, you know, that signature's worth, uh, worth the world. Uh, him being the second fastest, pardon me, the third fastest Canadian marathoner of all time. Um, he was, him and I got to talking about coming out West and uh, how nice it was out here, how the facilities are great, um, how the courses are awesome, how the community uh, is very supportive of one another. And, uh, the weather is much more ideal for, uh, for running during the, the winter um, so you wouldn't have to use the treadmill or other uh, forms of training to sort of supplement uh, the running. And he just sort of uh, just helped me out uh, with regards to the idea of coming out here. So I have to know, because there is definitely probably both of, both, lots of both of these, what sort of preparations and sacrifices were made to, uh, to move forward with this plan? Uh, so, yeah, so a lot of preparation went into it. Uh, so I started off uh, just like, I didn't really have a, I didn't really have a, a spot to come out here, uh, so I like had to research things in terms of uh, like finding a uh, finding a place to stay, or because um, it's pretty hard to find uh, individual lodging spots in um, Vancouver uh, for a, for a fee that can be afforded by most part time workers um, and full time athletes. So um, I had to really look around there and uh, research. Um, how how to best fund or how how to best use my money? Um, and luckily, I got into contact with Dylan, and he uh, once again uh, was asking me like how serious I was about this uh, this move. And uh, he decided, he asked me if I he wanted to put some legwork in and to uh, to ask around the running community and see if there's anybody who's looking for a housemate. Um, so originally, um, I started off uh, and I uh, was talking to Natasha Woodock. And so she uh, showed interest in having a roommate. And then I actually uh, started talking to Yves. Hmm. Uh, and he was, because he was out here for a couple of months um, at the end of the year. And he was looking for a housemate. Um, things sort of uh, didn't uh, pan out uh, with Yves. Uh, so I continued talking to Natasha and the facility uh, or the house came open. So Natasha Wodak, uh, for those at home who don't know, is uh, Canada's fastest woman over the over the ten thousand meter distance. You know what was it like uh, living with her, and did you guys kind of keep similar schedules, or what was the deal there? Um, so yeah, uh, great question. Um, so we uh, it's great living with her because um, she's 
you know, a like-minded athlete uh, who's very driven and uh, likes to likes to uh, keep a balanced lifestyle. Uh, she's never too committed, or sure, she's very committed to running, but uh, she also knows how to let her hair down and uh, not always just focus on the sport itself. Um, so it's not like every conversation we have has to be about running. You know, we can hear about uh, other uh, facets of the life. Um, and our, in terms of our lifestyles, um, she had a pretty uh, interesting um, winter uh, where she had to go through her own sort of uh, recovery process. So we were on a much different schedule in terms of our um, training. So I was running a bit more than she was allowed to, but she was probably logging more hours than I was honest with you so bc has a great bunch of road races uh you know this time of year that in my opinion are rivaled by really no one in in this country you know what do you think ontario or maybe some other provinces have to do to you know get something similar going on i'd say they have to get the provincial funding um because i think that every our ontario has a great um idea of it but it's it's got to be uh it's got to uh, spread out a little bit more other than uh, say cities like Guelph or Ottawa, depending on where you are in terms of track or, or, or Toronto. Um, some of the smaller cities would be great if they had, they had some little more provincial funding uh, to help sort of develop programs. Um, I think that would go a long way because it seems as though the, um, the BC athletics uh, is very uh, helpful for different uh, clubs and events. And they put on, um, great races and they have uh, funding and they just allow their athletes to uh, to work at a higher level. So you, the town that you're from, Kingston, is, you know, is a running town with its own merits. Uh, you know, we definitely can't discount that. What is the running community like there? Uh, in Kingston? Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's really good. Um, sort of, it's, the physical, it's a great group. Um, it's, it's the, I would say it's one of the very few groups in the city. I think there's a few uh, Achilles maybe is another one um, for like for high school age people. Uh, but it, it, there's a bit of a lull in terms of uh, post collegiate athletes in, in the city um, because usually they'll go other like back to their hometowns or other places. So I just found it a little bit uh, difficult to find training groups or people to run with. Uh, they were on the same set schedule as I was. Um, in terms of like uh, gearing up for a marathon or gearing up for a half marathon or uh, just trying to uh, train at the same volume that I would be because it's great uh, it's great if you're in the university age group but it's uh, it's harder as you uh, age in the city and then it actually gets better um, once you hit about 40 because mm-hmm. then the uh, the master's group is pretty strong in the city as well so you're coached by the outspoken Steve Boyd, a guy known by anyone who frequents the, the running boards and, uh, and beyond that. Uh, you know, why do you think that yourself and, and himself make such a good fit? Um, I think the one, uh, he's, like, he's, a very, uh, he's a very focused person. Um, so Steve is great at, uh, at keeping athletes uh, interested in this sport. Um, he never really gives up on his athletes which is great. Uh, like, even though I've had a lot of, you know, ups and downs, um, he's been very supportive of uh, those ups and downs and uh, sees the big picture better than I do sometimes. Um, and just really helps guide uh, his athletes in a, uh, in a progression over time. He doesn't see things in terms of six months. He sees, sees things in terms of like four years or and he sees the big picture 
uh, better than most people do. Because I know like a lot of people in society as well, like runners and everyone else in society, uh, we tend to see things in the right now as opposed to let's see things in a few years. Because uh, he's very much in the development and uh, having a long-standing career and not just a couple of good seasons. So uh, your most recent marathon was the Chicago Marathon uh, this past year. You know, talk to me about what happened there, uh, because it was kind of a time that, that didn't really fit in with your overall progression. You know, what worked and, and what went wrong with that race? Um, so it all sort of uh, went off the, uh, the rails early on in the, uh, the build. Um, I was having some problems with my Achilles and my tip post. Um, I would say right around late July, early August. Um, a couple of weeks before I ran the, the Flint uh, 10 mile, hmm. I had to take a few weeks, or I think it was seven days off of running because the strain was too much uh, in my calf that I couldn't uh, have any sort of flexion um, with it. So it just didn't really ever get better. Um, and as the miles started increasing, um, I thought I could grind through it a little bit more than I could. Uh, but just so I was just spending a lot of energy through other muscle groups to try and sacri- or to try and supplement the uh, the injured area of my calf. So it was it just didn't didn't work out as a whole. Um, so I got to the race start line thinking, let's try it out, let's see how it goes. Um, I could tell early on in the race that it wasn't really going to work out. Uh, it was might have been even in like the first five kilometers when I'm hitting. I think I was at 17 minutes uh, for the first five kilometers. I knew that I had a lot of work to do. Um, and after about 10 kilometers, I pretty much mailed it in and decided, let's, uh, let's just go to the, let's, let's just finish the race. And, uh, yeah, so I finished the last half. Uh, I think it, what, it, the Jack Daniels E-Pace, I think mm-hmm. I did it at 4.05 uh, per kilometer for the last uh, 21. Mm-hmm. Really took it easy. Yeah. You know, kind of kind of breaking away from that last question, it seems that the current trend uh, in the sport, specifically in, in marathoning, is to spend as much time on the track as you can before moving to the roads and taking on the marathon. Uh, you know, what made you look to the marathon, you know, sooner than, than most people? Uh, it, was, it was a great race at Around the Bay in 2013. Um, I was able to hold a steady pace of, I think it was uh, 317 or 318 per kilometer um, through the 30K. Um, and I, I think I placed either sixth or seventh that year. And uh, I just thought, why not uh, try going for a, uh, a longer race like a marathon? And um, I think I debuted, uh, quote, unquote, uh, at uh, like 226-ish. Uh, okay. So I was like, you know, let's just keep this thing going because like training would uh, indicated that I maybe could have gone a little bit uh, better if I had a little bit more smarts about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I made the progression the way that I did. But I think that... Uh, the steady progression from the 5,000 to the 10,000 to the half to maybe the 30 K and then up to the marathon is probably the, uh, probably a better way to de- uh, develop the systems for most people. So I do have to ask, you know, the, the marathon is a race that's so full of legendary runners, you know, like shorter Drayton Rogers, uh, you know, there's so many names there, you know, what runners do you draw inspiration from you know, and any standout races that, you know, perhaps you'll, you'll watch on YouTube for motivation or whatever before you do a workout. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I actually have the, uh, I actually have a big poster of Bill Rogers, um, in my, uh, my dining room back home. Um, it's, it's him winning the 1975, uh, Boston marathon. Mm. Um, 
And it's uh, yeah, I think Bill Rogers is definitely a uh, an idolized or he's one of the people that I've always uh, looked up to um, in terms of uh, marathoning. I also uh, Ryan Hall actually was a he, I was uh, always a big fan of his when he he was uh, in his peak um, mm-hmm. because he sort of uh, was just doing everything that people didn't think could happen for you know North Americans. Uh, Dylan Weiss is another uh, inspiration for me. Uh, you know, him being from the same town and uh, him taking on all the challenges that he has and made all the moves that he's made and uh, just made the, pro- you know, progression over time and did it uh, did it his way. You know, it was a really cool, cool career to watch. For sure. For sure. You know, of all the guys you run with in these marathons and stuff, uh, you know, outside of, I guess, what you would call the big four in Canadian marathoning right now. Who do you think will will fill those spots? You know, as far as the who will be the next Coolsad or the next Watson or the next Gillis or the next, uh, you know, or the next Dylan? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Lord uh, Brennan Lord has a uh, pretty good shot of uh, developing his uh, his career. Uh, he's ran some pretty uh, outstanding races. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Hofbauer once uh, once he makes the uh, the you know, the, uh, the, the, the surge up to the, uh, the full distance in a few years that he'd mentioned that he was thinking about it. Um, who else? Um, yeah, a bunch of, like a lot of the, some of the, uh, I think that if, uh, any of the, the Mo, uh, Mo Ahmed, if you ever wanted to go that far and, uh, move, move his distance up from the 10,000, he could really have a good, uh, good shot at the distance. Um, Cam Levins, Mm-hmm. Yeah, those guys, if he ever wanted to uh, move up, I think he'd have a really good shot at it as well. Because I'm sure that because he, Cam, uh, Cam came from a very uh, high-volume background, so I think uh, he, could probably, he could probably get a marathon if he was really uh, after it. So, you know, after this big winter in, uh, in Vancouver, what races are next? What, like, what's, the, what's the next big race, the next big target race for you? Uh, so the next uh, races for the season are um, the Sun Run, which is uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've never done it before, but I guess it's the biggest road race in North America, maybe the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's like thirty to 50,000 runners just in, uh, just in the 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm doing the, uh, the BMO Half Marathon um, here as well before flying back uh, to Ontario, uh, where I will uh, focus in on the, uh, the 10,000 uh, or sorry, the 10K in Ottawa. Because mm-hmm. it being a national finals, I'd like to uh, I'd like to place and do well there, um, and then I'm like uh, I'm going to be sticking around the Kingston area and doing some of the local races there. Um, so the beat Beethoven, it's an AK race. It's uh, it's it's always pretty good, and uh, the Redendale Ramble. Um, so it's uh, presented by the uh, Physicals um, and has the same organizer as the national uh, cross country meet uh, with Clive Morgan. So it's very uh, well measured. Uh, well organized and it's at a great time uh, of year being June so often people at the end of the uh, the track season or sorry the uh, the beginning of a track season or um, the end of the, uh, the fall or sorry the spring uh, race road racing season it's a great uh, it's a great time I think it's the uh, June 17th of the summer solstice I, I know that I've already received my uh, my invitation for it and I'm definitely heavily considering it yeah, it's fast. I'm telling you, the course is fast. So, you know, uh, finally, before before I let you go, uh, tons of musical references on, on your Twitter and on your Strava. What's what's in the earbuds these days? Uh, what's, what was I listening to today? Actually, I was, uh, I was at the gym earlier, 
and I was uh, really getting into uh, what was it? The, the Strokes, actually. Okay, well, some of the Strokes today. Which yeah. which, which album? Uh, I was listening to a compilation of it, so it was. Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you the album off the top of my head. I think it's This Is It. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, weird, weird album art, but pretty good album, I think. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I think it was. I think it was. This is it. I think. All right. Well, this was athletes talking about music. Uh, just kidding. Kevin Coffey. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's an accomplished marathoner, uh, a nomad in athletics. Moved out to uh, Vancouver for the winter. And uh, thanks a lot for being on the show this week, Kevin. Well, thanks a lot for having me, and I hope that your training is uh, continuing to go well, and that you're uh, you've got your eyes set on a fast time uh, this this spring. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to our special guests this week, Kevin Coffey, as well as Peter Corrigan. Also, big thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the show, all you have to do is find us on Twitter, at the Terminal Mile. Also, you can find us on TuneIn, Tracky.ca, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Mm-hmm.